0: Bonjour. Bienvenue.
1: Bonjour. Back here again. And judging by your opening, this is once again that weird international cinema challenge nonsense that we have had going on here.
0: Nonsense? How dare you?
1: I'm merely giving giving the honesty here.
0: Welcome to the Flick Club. Uh, Henrik is my co-host who is apparently having some kind of trouble here. We're trying to get the real Henrik back online. Meanwhile, let's introduce some guests. Our guest for tonight is Sebastian. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Not at all. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure.
0: Uh, We seriously weren't expecting to find a guest from Martinique because of the size of the island, but uh, here you are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this has to be the most specific guest that we have had in in this podcast up until this far.
0: Yep, and this is indeed part of the International Cinema Challenge, which we started from the beginning of the year, which consists of 20 films from 20 different countries. And anyone who has watched all the films by the end of the year, we will invite you to discuss the experience in 2020 2020 January and discuss with us how the experience was.
1: Yeah, and uh, and, uh, as a last case precaution, Some of these films are so hard to find that Curry is quite certain that we don't have to actually bother interviewing anyone because most of our listeners simply can't get their hands on some of the films.
0: That's why it's a challenge, Henry.
1: (laughs) That's why it's actually doing challenge the smart way. We found the English subtitled version of the film as a DVD and it costed 200 bucks.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they didn't make that many of
1: them. Luckily for us, there was this VHS version. Was it from the 80s? 80s or early 90s VHS print of this film that, that also had English subtitles. And that costed only 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. Much better. Yeah, much better. And once again, goes to show you how VHS is the superior format. <laughs>
2: yeah. But then you need <laughs> to still have a VHS... Uh recorder or player (laughs) most people don't have
1: those anymore which is something that kari was able to find in poland and then you use the vhs player and connect it to his laptop so that he could actually capture the image from the vhs tape nice perfect
0: yeah so it was extremely hard to find and and some of the craziest people, or it's only the crazy person who is going to pay for it, but the, the craziest people were asking for 200 bucks for this DVD. Wow. Hopefully there will be a production house which will put up some more copies of this DVD because, jeez, with the scarcity. All right, a little about our guest. So, you are indeed Sebastian. You were born in Martinique. Yes,
2: yes. So, I was born and raised in Martinique. All the way uh, until the end of high school, where then I went to Florida in the United States to study, study business. After which I completed university, I went back home to do two years of farm management degree. As my family has a farm or plantation, we have mostly bananas and we had cows and tropical flowers. And there is a, f- a law in France that recently sent every every person born after 1970s has to get an uh, agricultural degree so that they can take over uh, the farms and continue working. As if you don't, they would then pass the land to other young farmers who don't have land to be able to farm. So it's kind of the, the, the social agricultural plans of France, which I'm not against. But yeah, so so I, I, I went through those two years of agriculture and then decided that I was a little bit more excited about the big cities and going back to the US. So I went back to have a, a small business in Boston, which. Turned out to not be the the most successful, and now I'm reconverting, and uh, planning on going back to Martinique to, to work on the farm with some new exciting project
0: via Miami though
2: <laughs> via Miami so so yeah so so still maintaining one foot in America with the other in Martinique so as to be able to get the the best of both worlds because Martinique is a beautiful beautiful country but it's a little bit small it doesn't have the latest comforts and, and technologies and that America has, um, hmm. like if you want to order some things through Amazon, it might take a month or more. Where in America you just get it in twenty four hours, you know. So I kind of got addicted to, to some of the the comforts like this. And so the fact that it's not far at all, it's just three hours uh, by plane, makes it very convenient.
0: Right. So not only are you from Martinique, but you actually own sugarcane plantations, which are permanent in the film.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so the parts on my farm where we had the cows, I, I sold all the cows, mm-hmm. and we're now growing sugarcane for the sugar refinery that is sold to the best rum distilleries in Martinique. Okay. And we, uh, so we just changed the contract. We were with Habitation Saint-Étienne, and now we're with saint James which is a a wonderful uh, distillery in Martinique.
0: I came across a guy who in Martinique is growing mushrooms, actually, by using some of the leftovers from the sugarcane plantations.
2: Oh, the molasses, yeah?
0: Maybe, maybe. White mushrooms.
2: Very interesting. I haven't heard about this at all.
0: I can send you a link to the documentary after this show, so you can check it out.
2: All right. Yeah, I'd love to.
0: Yeah. And you're from around our generation, right? In your 30s, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. 31.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm 33 and so is Henrik as well. Yep. All right. Why did we choose this film? Because Henrik was begging for it on his knees. No, but I happened to (laughs) stumble upon this online and I thought it was the most exciting and original choice for this movie challenge. So that's how it came about. And certainly... You can be of what mind you ever want about this film, but it doesn't change the fact that this film has a lot of history about Martinique. So, Henrik, what's your experience with this film?
1: First time seeing it, actually. I am not that familiar with the film. Also not with, well, most of the cast and crew behind the film. I've seen from the the director... I have previously seen the the a dry white season which kind of tackles on these same aspects but from different viewpoint it's if I remember correctly the story has a white protagonist that has to actually face the racist and oppress oppressive social norms of his environment.
0: yeah starring also Marlon Brando after a nine year hiatus. My experience of seeing Black Shack Alley is something aching to Henrik's. It's the first time for me seeing it. And what about our guest's experience? You have, of course, seen this before, yeah?
2: Yeah, I believe for Martinicans, it's a rite of passage to mm. read the book, which is um, derived from, and also watching the movie. It definitely reflects on historical reality and portrait of, of the culture of the time.
0: I can definitely see the film and the book as kind of the main works. What to watch out from Martinique immediately as the first thing.
2: Yeah, and and it and it's also very relatable uh, to to many people in Martinique. Many people can relate to the characters and and the stories that their parents or grandparents were telling them about the Martinique in in the twentieth uh, early twentieth century. Uh, And so it it just resonates with with a lot of us Martinicans and and who we are and where we come from.
0: Yeah, for sure. So unfortunately, even though we love to do a lot of research for these episodes, I was unable to find my copy of the book. But the film is indeed based on a semi-autobiographical book by Joseph Zabel, the film has actually two official titles. It's Shack Alley and Sugarcane Alley. And the book published as Shack Alley was out in Paris in 1950.
2: Yeah, the, the original name in French is Rue Casnegre.
0: Yeah, thank you for the authentic pronunciation for this podcast. And this guy has also been uh, associated with uh, the Negritude movement. It's a framework developed by francophone intellectuals Cultivating black consciousness for the diaspora in Africa. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about the general Martinique facts. So, it's one of the 18 overseas territories of France. There is indeed a lot of them, to mention a few Wallis and Fortuna, French Polynesia, Saint Martin, French Guiana, and Martinique stands there in the middle of the Caribbean, a few hundred kilometers yeah. away from South America.
2: Correct, yeah.
0: The official language is French, but almost everybody also speaks Antillian Creole. Correct. Do you also speak it? I do. Nice. And the language was about to disappear, but after the Second World War it was reinvigorated, yeah?
2: Um, I don't know about this. To me it's always uh, been very present. Okay. And actually I would say that during the colonial period is where Creole really started as it came about from the the slaves coming from Africa and having their own way of communicating with each other they they all learned French but they preferred to have their own way of communicating with each other sometimes being able to say things without being understood by their masters or oftentimes by using languages from their native countries in Africa and different islands, too, because unfortunately, slaves had sometimes to, to travel from different islands and each brought yeah. a certain different language. Uh, and so Creole ended up being a mix of, of different languages, like this, and that combined into something that, that became very cultural and that today is still, is still spoken and very alive. It has not been written since its creation. It, it, it was a, a verbal language only, but actually recently it has been put down to, to, to writing. There is now a dictionary of Creole where you can uh, learn and, and, and write it down.
0: Excellent. And because it's part of France, it also belongs to the European Union, hence it uses the euro as well. H- how do you see the European Union so far out there? How has it affected Martinique?
2: Well, you could, you could say in an enormous way, because politically uh, Martinique has the same elements as, let's say, if you were living in Paris or in any other city, region of France. It's all the same. You know, you, right. you have the same taxes, you have the same laws, the same police, the same education system, the same exams that every other French uh, uh, student takes and so it makes us to be an integral part of France. Uh, TV has all the French channels as well. So we're very much French but far away across the Atlantic Ocean with our own little twists that, you know, we We have the weather and the tropical uh, landscape that that makes us look uh, a lot different than Paris. But on a political standpoint, it's very similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So, Martinique has a population of about 376,000 people. And an estimated 260,000 people of Martinicans also live in France, in the area of Paris, mainly. And the population of the island is African descent mixed with French, Amerindian, also known as Caribbean, Indo-Martinican, Lebanese and Chinese, and Sero-Lebanese, and of course, Beke, the descendants of the slave owners. Yeah, very nice. Is it so that the Beke, which represents about 1% of Martiniquans, is it true that they live quite isolated in the island, in their palaces and fancy alleys?
2: I would say less than 1%. Okay. I would say 0.1%.
0: Okay, okay. I was just wondering if they really live so isolatedly somewhere away from everybody else.
2: Well, there are some really nice houses, yes. But uh, as far as being outstanding mansions, it, it doesn't really get that, that crazy. And there is a, a, a region in Martinique in the south... East region in Francois called the Capest, which is more famous for having a higher concentration of, of. but you do have like in, in, in several, I'd say every part of Martinique. And yeah, yeah, it's a very small uh, percentage of, of the population.
0: Yeah. And probably are able to have such fan fancy housing because they were the first comers to the island out of the. Conquerors, let's say the French and Spanish population.
2: Yeah, yeah, so uh, definitely uh, th- there is some inheritance from their uh, yeah. colonial past that uh, um, bring, brings them today to, to, to have a certain uh, amount of wealth. The times are changing too.
0: Yeah, and I was actually honestly surprised that the GDP of the island is so high with a GDP of 8.4 billion. So it's the most successful island in the Caribbean.
2: And that's, that's to go go back to the link with Europe, definitely thanks to our connection to, to France and, and Europe as a whole, that is able to financially support us and uh, help us develop uh, our industries and, and other projects because Uh, The truth of the matter is that if we did not have that uh, French and European integration, we would not have been as productive. Yeah. So it's thanks to
0: to Europe. Okay. So the island was first populated by the Arawaks and then the Caribs, both being indigenous people, of course. It's been thought that the name Martinique is a corruption of the native name Madiana or Madinina. Do you use any of these names?
2: Madin. Yes,
0: yes. So you use these names and don't just call it Martinique?
2: We call it Martinique, but um, there are several references around the islands of the original uh, Madinina or or Madiana names, which means in the native language the island of flowers.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, Christopher Columbus visited the island in 1502. Yes, so going by the kind of original name for the island, it means the island of flowers. Christopher Columbus didn't have really any interest in the island because the Spanish crown also had really little interest in the island because they were more interested about the Americas. Right. So Columbus spent only three days on Martinique, just washing laundry and himself on 15th of June 1502. And what do you know, somewhere in between, he also made the Taino people extinct. 1635, some French people arrived with 100 new settlers, actually to clear the land for sugarcane plantations. So this is where the sugarcane stuff starts. 1636, the native Caribs rise against the oppressors, but the French people pushed them successfully to the eastern part of the island. Then Dutch Jews were expelled from the Portuguese Brazil and moved to Martinique and brought the sugar there. Around this time, the first slaves were brought here to do the sugar.
2: Right, it was from Napoleon Bonaparte's uh, edict.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the in 1667, the Second Anglo-Dutch War spread to the Caribbean. As the French fleet were sympathetic to the Dutch, uh, they were exterminated. In 1674, the Dutch tried to get hold of Martinique to no avail. And so indeed, there's been multiple attacks against Martinique back and forth from all these big countries. By 1688, almost all of the French Protestants of the island had left the island because of religious constraints put on the island by French themselves. This exodus was what the French Catholics were actually encouraging, and the regular population of Catholics were looking forward to getting all the land from the French Protestants. Extremely ironically, though, the whole project of exodus left the island underpopulated and susceptible to ...attacks from outside forces and set the French colonial project behind by decades. And the British certainly tried to attack. 1693, British attack. 1759, British attack. 1762, British attack. 1779, you guessed it. 1789, the first slave rebellion. Around here the British controlled the island for about a 15-year period in total. Combining all the periods. 1815, once again a slave rebellion... And in the 1800s, the sugar prices went down. So the fancy pants planter class lost some influence there. 1822, slave rebellion again. And finally, 1848, the abolitionists convinced the French government to stop slavery in the West Indies. Despite this, life quality hardly improved for the black people. Some places replaced the black people with work from India and China. Racial tensions kept exploding, and after several rebellions, the French crushed the revolt. In 1902, the mountain Mount Vallée, it completely swallowed and destroyed the city of Saint-Pierre in about one minute, killing 30,000 people. It was the worst volcanic accident in the 20th century. Only a few survived. One of those few survivors was August Zibaris who at the time of the eruption was underground in a jail cell. And the solitary thick walls of the confinement saved him. But regardless, he got very badly burned, severely. But kind of fortunately for him, he didn't breathe in the extremely hot air when the air was so hot in his vicinity that he would have completely died at the moment. He kind of became a celebrity. He joined a circus and told his end-of-the-world stories in that circus. After the eruption, the capital was moved to Fort de France, where it stands today. Jump to 1943, the World War II is now raging, and the pro Nazi French Vichy government was using Martinique for refueling and stocking purposes during the Battle of the Caribbean. Free French forces, however, took control of the island on Bastille Day, 14 July 1943, and in 1946 the French unanimously voted for the French colonial areas to be transformed into overseas territories. All throughout the 40s and 50s there were a lot of racial tensions and cries for full independence. But the economy faltered in the 70s. There were hurricanes for example. And in the 70s and 80s then French government gave more autonomy for the island. Further changes were made in 2019 when the French president Nicolas Sarkozy visited the island. When he gave them a proposition for to make a referendum to decide on the island's further autonomy and other future aspects. Sebastian. Yes. Do you feel like Martinique should be fully independent at some point? No. It's just like the general thought process of people that they don't want it to be independent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, as, as the last point you pointed, that Mar- Martinique voted to remain. Yep. Um, and so that that's definitely the general consensus that us being French and being European is nothing but a uh, support that makes us stronger. Um, we, we're, some people on the island do want uh, a higher autonomy, a complete independence, to, but they do not have anything to be able to support the country financially or maintain a certain economy that would make us to to be able to thrive. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's just some people who just want to have power just for ego rather than for the true and and best welfare of the citizens possible. And so Mm -hmm. most people recognize this that way.
0: Nice. So in Martinique, there's about four volcanoes of which one is... Dormant, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's not dead, but it's not active either. So it could become active at some point, but now we, we don't have any sign of it.
0: What's the situation actually today in Saint Pierre after the huge catastrophe? Are there any people living there? Uh,
2: not much, really. Uh, at some point uh, after the the whole city was burned down, it was actually crossed out of the map. It it was not a city anymore. And mm-hmm. all the rights of that city came to another little town close by called Le Carre. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, people repopulated the city. And so uh, now it does have some inhabitants. You have stores, restaurants, and some other commerces where it is being restored in some way. But um, most of the city, definitely, if you go... Uh, has vestiges and ruins all around.
0: Mm, Very interesting. And so the south part of the island is inhabited and the jungle and less inhabited part is the north, right?
2: Yeah. I'd I'd say the center is where you have most people, where Fort de France is. It is in in the center and there is also just northwest of it, Chelsher City, Mm -hmm. which is and then, on the east part, the Matin. So those three cities together are the biggest ones and and they they encompass the center uh, of the island and where most of everything happens. So, yeah, in the north, it's a little bit more luscious, uh, more mountainous as well. And so you have more of a tropical forest and volcanoes. You can see Saint-Pierre area is really cool as it has black sand on the beaches. Uh, After the volcano eruption, the sand became all black. Where in the Mm -hmm. south you have more beautiful beaches with golden sand and turquoise water. Uh, And in the east too, you have coral reefs that are very pretty.
0: Nice. To give a little further context to the film, actually, there are some Lizards and special snakes in the island. land snakes, right?
2: Yeah, yeah Ferdelands, so So also call it trigonocephal.
0: Okay, and the mongooses were introduced to the island in the 1800s, but the mongooses have been kind of bad boys and have also exterminated a lot of uh, special birds. So, considering all of this, uh, how are the mongooses nowadays viewed on the island? Are they considered more as a pests, or are they actually seen as, well, just friendly neighborhood mongooses
2: yeah yeah i don't think there is any ill sentiment about the mongoose Um i, I think we all have to be grateful for not having snakes everywhere um, right it sure is a sad uh, side effect of having lost some some other birds but no the, the mongoose is is one of the national animals and respected us
0: great there are actually quite a lot of films that have been set or filmed in Martinique. There is To Have and Have Not, Thomas Crown Affair from 1999, Congord Affair from 1979. If we if we discuss the music of the island for a little bit, there's uh, the music style Zouk, right? Yeah. It's coming from Martinique and Guadeloupe. Yeah. Do you like this type of music? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. And <laughs> I think everybody dances it on the island as well, Um. And, and to, to, to go back to, to music of Martinique and in the movie, um, the, the very first thing you, you, you hear is it's a beautiful music that is called Begin, which uh-huh. is Martinican uh, and that originated from a mix between Polish music uh, that was actually brought by uh, Chopin, in, in France, and that was mixed with uh, Bele, which was uh, African drum music that in the island combined uh, European with African instruments and, and made this very beautiful music.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the theme music of the film.
2: If you're interested, the, the music uh, band that, that played it is Malavoie, and it's the most famous uh, big in band in Martinique. Certainly, actually, one one of the violinists of this band was my violin teacher <laughs> when I was a <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, and, and so there, there was a big in. There's also mazurka, which is also influenced from from the Polish uh, mazurka dance, where mixed with with the African drums made that uh, other type of music, and then later on. We had the Zook being introduced and made popular by the Martinican band called Cassav.
0: Alright boys, would it be scene by scene?
1: I guess, unless you have some more information tidbits to still give out, but it would be scene by scene.
0: We start off with the introduction with the titles, and then there is a voiceover that it's school vacation time. Kids eagerly are waiting for the adults to go to the fields, so kids can go out to play. So... So this is based on the 1930s period, when black people were still used very much as a cheap labor for the sugar plantations.
1: Yeah, technically not slaves, but... Yeah, but... Still pretty much, in reality, pretty much in the same same position through other means of oppression. That is correct. They did
2: not have the education to allow them to... Oftentimes even read and write, so they were not able to engage into commerce or to, to do any, any sort of, of business that would involve the, the, those important basic needs. And so they, they were very stuck with uh, having to be un, under the control of the, the people who had power at that time.
0: What about the other Caribbean region islands? Were they also growing sugarcane, for example, on Guadeloupe? Yeah,
2: yeah. Guadeloupe was extremely similar. Uh, uh-huh. Guadeloupe is, is, is almost, a, it's pretty much a sister island of Martinique. So, okay. uh, oftentimes, what goes on in one island goes exactly the same on the other.
0: Uh-huh. Is there like friendly competition between the islands, just like, uh, let's say, Sweden and Finland sometimes?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could say that. We, we love to hate on each other right (laughs) like brothers you know we just love each other right we we're friendly and
0: tease
2: each other as well
0: yeah great and then we have the snake and the mongoose fighting and if the mongoose wins this girl says to Jose that he has to give his watch to her are these kind of fights organized nowadays sebastian
2: Mm, not anymore no Um, okay you you might have on some occasions although i believe it's actually not legal but uh Cockpit fights, so mm-hmm. you might have people coming. And actually, there was a reference li- later in the movie about the cock fights, but um, that one might still be like But the mongoose versus snake fights is you know, something of
0: There is the scene when they're eating at Jose's. Only bananas are packed, no codfish, and Jose uh, even yeah. invites them to eat to his place. But they can't find the sugar.
2: Mm. So no, just to go back to to the banana meal, it's one of the traditional breakfasts of Martinique called tine lamouille, which is a specific type of banana, which is a bit more salty than than the traditional sweet banana that most people know about. That's Mm -hmm. called the cavendish. So the tine uh, is cooked and the lamouille is codfish, so salted codfish that is mixed with this uh, cooked banana. And it's a traditional, hearty breakfast of Martinique. So that reference was that José only had the timet, but not the lamouille. So that was not the, the traditional dish. He only had half of it. So she was teasing him for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also understand that um, croissants are a popular breakfast
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think... <laughs> You know, people who lived on Rue Casneg uh, had uh, croissant. Um, uh-huh. Probably that yeah. would be the, the masters and more of people in mainland France. As, Righto. Um, at this time period, we had less of the French cuisine. Let's say, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and a bit more of a local.
0: The kids are trying to locate locate the sugar now, but they suspect that the grandmother has hidden it well somewhere. Instead of uh, doing anything useful, really, they just break the bowl of grandmother by accident. And a girl gives uh, Jose a string or something, and this is kind of a superstitious object for him to avoid spanking time. (laughs) Does he even throw it? I'm not sure. But yeah, doesn't avoid spanking time. Grandmother comes home, and all hell breaks loose.
1: Yeah, he he does uh, does throw it. Although you can you can kind of argue, does the action that that Jose does does it count as a throw? But he he does try to pull off this whatever spell he was he was advised to do.
0: Yeah, and it's explained by the Jose's grandmother that the mother has died at some point, somehow. Anyway, it's a spanky, spanky time.
2: Yeah, it was the last possession that she had from from Rosie's uh, mother, and so that ball meant a lot.
0: Yes, and now we get to the cane fields for the first time. There's a little bit of a chaos. Martin is apparently away today, and Tigoko takes a piss and gets a lot of non-productive feedback after that one. Carmen is introduced with his boat. Carmen is this type of a lady's charmer. We we see that immediately. And um, (laughs) Zosé teaches Carmen to read and write. Then we simply cut to the next introduction, which is Meduse. There's a lot of unfairness and low pay associated with the sugarcane fields work. Meanwhile, we find out that Meduse is kind of a father figure for uh, Zosé.
1: Mentor as well. Yeah. Well, ba- basically what Medusa is, on top of being the father and the mentor figure of Jose, he is also the one of the few, if not the only character here depicted here that actually does know and understand the original country where where the inhabitants of Martinique have become originally the Africa. Which to many like Zose is something that exists only in the stories that he hears
0: from. Good point. Time to buy some groceries now, Henrik and Sebastian. And they put it on the credit because money is apparently low. It's time for the Black People's Party now. I suppose it should be pointed out that this might be one of those Black People parties that were banned during the slavery times and maybe during this time as well i don't know
2: no i, th- I think the the partying was a, a way for them to after hard work get together and, and mm-hmm. enjoy okay. happiness you know around music mm. around uh, getting together as a group um fighting fighting was illegal but dancing was
0: Great. And there is this drum that you put between your legs and I believe this is uh, very traditional Martinican yeah. stuff. It's
2: called the bellet. Okay. Yeah. Oftentimes uh belle music talks about the life of the people and they tell us small stories.
0: What was this Creek Crack stuff during Medusa's story? Ah. Mr. Creek, Mr. Crack.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so this is the traditional uh, count of Martinique. Um that 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 is uh a cultural way of, of, of telling stories in Martinique where you have the counter that will start saying Kui everybody replies K He says again Yeah Misti Kui They reply no, actually they start with ye yeah, kui," they do ye kwa, "ye "kui kwa. And then he will ask, que la corda? and everybody replies, non la dopa, which means in English, is everyone in the court um, sleeping? And everybody replies, No, the court is not sleeping. And then he starts his story. And throughout this story, he will stop and then say, Cree, everybody will cry. Ye um, Cree, Oftentimes, it's as if when you count a story and then you change chapter. At, at this point, you would say kri or Ye Cree to, uh, to, to
1: have uh, a period in, in the story and to, and to start anew. Right. Because the way how it kind of comes off in the film is that Medusa, in in middle of his story, Medus, every now and then, simply... Tests out if Jose still is following what he's saying.
0: That's how I took it. Like, uh, do you want me to continue, or are you getting bored, or something like this?
1: Yeah, ha- ha- has your mind wandered off already? Are you thinking something completely yeah. else?
0: Would you like some more?
2: And and I actually, I think that that is a ver- very uh, valuable uh, point that you guys make. That the the Yikri is is a way to to uh, interact with the audience to to make sure Mm. that they are following and to keep their interest and attention so yeah
0: yeah so medus tells the story where his ancestors are coming from africa that his people have been taken advantage of in the sugar canes by the whites you know it's very heartfelt Maybe the best part of the entire film for me, because of this extremely great performance.
1: It is it is very strong performance, most definitely. And it is also, when, when you look at this moment, and when you look at this scene in correlation of what happens in, in later on in the film, and basically how the film in the end wraps up, this kind of becomes an important narrative scene also, because... In here, through telling this story, stories about Africa and the African beliefs, Medusa kind of a passes on those original African values. And this kind of a quiet knowledge about where they all came from and where they are originating. And later on in the film, Zosé is, or it's heavily implied that in the end Zosé will be able to escape the Sucan fields through his education and yeah. when, when, when this would happen in in some future in through Medusa's stories, Jose basically becomes the torchbearer of those original African beliefs and and bas- basically the whole culture and the history of the inhabitants.
0: Then there's some food stealing, hence egg, rum, matches with the last two being taken from the store with the pretense that it was something that the little girl forgot to get to his parents earlier. The girl actor is really good here. (laughs) Great performance. Yeah. Drinking and burning down a shack with all the belongings of a cane worker, including his chickens, by the way. Brutal, and they just keep on laughing, even after they've been captured. And beating of kids commences for shack burning. Poor guy, all lost.
2: Yeah, definitely. He didn't have much, but he, he yeah. lost everything. When, when you say at the beginning how little pay he was getting too, you could imagine that it took him months, if not years, to be able to afford uh, maybe having chickens and a little garden to, uh, to to grow. And It's
1: just very unfortunate.
0: You know, considering that, he co- keeps it all together pretty well.
1: Yeah, that, that is uh, actually something that now you brought it up, it ties in with many cases that you see in the film, like, for example, that bowl that the kids broke earlier in the film. Because while there was also the case of that the bowl being a memento from Jose's mother, but he, this is also a situation where there exists this extreme poverty, where basically any possessions are regarded in extremely high value.
0: Mm, good point. We continue working in the fields. Grandmother reveals that she has other plans for Jose and will never let him to work on the fields. So the plan is to get him out with the education. and So he goes to school and we are introduced to his new friend, Leobald. And he is the son of the factory owner, I believe. Because there is this uh, sugarcane factory that is shown later in the film.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if he, if, if he was the... Factory owner, but he was definitely one one of the BK uh, in power.
0: Yeah. And in the school, there's this kind of a childish argument about whether white people are cats or dogs or something. And the fight is cut off by the teacher. The teacher is uh, strongly encouraging the students to study hard, so they will not end up in the fields. The best students will get to Fort-de-France. And the sentence that they should keep repeating every morning is learning is the key that opens the second door to our freedom and some map But yeah, this is a very powerful quote.
2: Absolutely. And, and that made the, the difference for all the future generations of Martinicans really when, when realizing that, you know, uh, Martin and the, and uh, M- M- those as great people as they were being genuine and caring and wonderful people uh, lacked education that allowed them to follow their dreams and so really the only way for anyone uh, coming from this background was education to be able to, to to go where they would ever want to go in life and so that was his key to freedom to to study and do it well
0: do you find any similarities to your parents background or your grandparents' background in this story?
2: So, my family background is a little bit like Leopold. So, I have come from a family of mulatres. Mm-hmm. So, the so mulattes are pretty much a mix between the uh, original colons that came, or the mm-hmm. beke, uh, that's mixed with either native islanders, such as the, the Caribs that, that remained at the time, all servants, black, um, that they they married to and had children with. And so my ancestor married a, a, a Carib and later on married with other mulatres. And so that's why in, in Martinique, you also have now a, a certain percentage of the population that is uh, just mulatres, so mixed races. So they kind of were in the middle, let's say between having uh, land, this is how I have my farm, and also having not everything handed down to them. So most of the mulats in in Martinique actually were people that ended up studying and uh, being able to achieve jobs that were, you know, the future lawyers, doctors, school principals and, and hospital directors said that were able to, to do a, a lot of what the, the island needed to grow because the children of the Beke traditionally did not study very hard because everything would be handed down to them. They would inherit the, 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 the plantation and then just continue doing everything. So uh, studying was not really necessary for them. So they never really paid much uh, attention to that.
0: Uh, what were the backgrounds of your parents?
2: My, my dad is an ag- agronomical engineer. My mother is a dentist. Excellent. But, but if but if we go back more towards history, we're, we're running the farm. And in St. Pierre, I think one of the oldest uh, ancestors, um, my family has history about uh had a millery, so he would process uh, flour. And he actually made a a good amount of money doing this uh, in Saint-Pierre before Mm. the the
0: city burned. Yeah, it was kind of the second Paris in the Caribbean, or that's how it was called.
2: Yeah, yeah, yes, it was called the Petit Paris, the little Paris.
0: Hmm. And yeah, Warsaw was called like the second Paris before it was spawned to the ground in the Second World War. Now the kids meet Madame Fusil on their way from school. On the other hand, Madame Léons coaxes José to do housework in exchange for food. Talks to grandmother what he has learned in school. Reveals to her that he had a meeting with Madame Léons. It wasn't the idea of José. Grandmother is suspicious. It's time for a story time from Meduse. Patagon. Tea cures the throat. Water and fire are not enemies, they are forces of creation they create life. Man can only destroy life, he can't recreate it. Pretty good stuff. Madame Léonce is once again asking José to do some household work. He still wants at the last second him to do some dishes and put them to air dry when he should be in fact hurrying for school. Fortunately though he appeases the teacher because he's being very smart at the lesson. In the middle of the lesson however something pretty random happens and José runs back to Madame leons and thro- throws a rock at her dishes <laughs> what is going on
2: I think there was a uh, important teaching with, with with the the previous scene where Jose has this moment where uh, Martin asked him if he really understood how he was going to get free food for every lunch for nothing and then it turns out that uh, Martin um, worry was true and josé learned a valuable lesson that you you don't get anything for free that Mm. you you have you have to 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 work hard for what you do and you have to be careful when when you you believe other people and uh, that not everyone has good intentions and so I think he he does understand that and and throws
1: a rock at her being upset by being deceived and lied to. because I was ac- actually supposed to ask you guys how you how you guys took the Madame Leon character like did you I, I kind of forgot the reading that that she was kind of on purpose trying to sabotage Sose's education. and I, I was wondering if that was the same feeling you too also got.
0: It could be that he was jealous, that's what I was thinking. But what I was mainly thinking was that uh, she really didn't care about the lessons and just wanted her end of the deal to happen.
2: I agree. Yeah, she just wanted to take
1: advantage of him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, because I, I kind of took that scene and tied it with the scene. The previous scene that we saw about the cane field is the sugar cane fields where kids are making the remark to so say that Unlike Jose, they will actually now earn money. So they, they are better off than Jose and and one of the adults actually tells Jose to get off the field since he's not working. And I, I was kind of thinking that that is one of the more insidious forms of segregation. This uh, this uh, creating a social boxes inside of which people are assigned and kind of let. To get accustomed to a certain type of role. To such a point that they actually... Because this kind of a behavior, it, it's, it's no longer outright slavery. Technically speaking, like... Officially, they, the people are free. They are simply being oppressed through, through the work they do. The, the work environment they have to in, inhabit. And uh, also the social status that they are being given... And this is kind of the way how the segregation now works, since you can't anymore call them officially slaves. And the the kind of dangerous part in in this, if you can call it a softer segregation, is that it often lets the subjects get accustomed and used to the role they are being given and even kind of see that role as, as a sick type of freedom. And, and that can lead into situations where where those oppressed actually start to sabotage and treat those who try to escape those social roles with hostility. Kind of like Jose is is treated with hostility when he tries to study, and he's been told of that he he can't be on the field, and he's missing something out because he doesn't get paid the petty wage that the others get. And I took all that with also the character of Madame Leon and kind of saw it that Leon also is, is an insidious character who, because of this kind of a social brainwashing, also wants to hurt Sausset's abilities to escape the social caste that he has been assigned. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sounds like a pretty good analysis. Henrik, do you have some kind of a situation going on there? I hear the dogs. Is, is everything okay? Do you want to take a break?
1: Well, you know, if I would take a moment, I would probably go and shoot the fuckers at this point. <laughs> so. Oh, no, no. <clears throat>
0: okay, maybe skip that. Yeah, I also saw Madame Leons as a very insidious character. After school, José also runs past her very quickly. And we cut to Leopold's house. José carries some other stuff to another shack. I'm not sure what that was. It's covered in leaves or something. And meanwhile, grandmother is shouting, José, José, José. And now grandmother opens up and tells that, uh, in her opinion, José spends way too much time with Madame Leons. But hold your horses, grandmother, because first things first, Medus has wired his door shut. Henceforth, a huge rescue party is organized for him. Unfortunately, Jose finds Medu's dead in the fields. Yeah, that was a sad. Quite powerful stuff.
1: It's also kind of symbolic that the place where he eventually dies is actually, it's literally those goddamn cane fields.
0: But looks like it was meant to be Henrik. It was something that he planned out, wired his door shut and went to die.
2: That is true. By by that, yeah, it implies that he knew he was dying and that's why he chose to die. Yeah,
0: yeah. And now there's the funeral of Meduse. He has gone to Africa, referring to his own quote from the story earlier. Grandmother now has some errands to do and on the way will go to thank Madame Leons about all the help. Ouch. Instead, grandmother, of course, heard all about the little rock throw. Oopsie doopsie. Followed by a scene where the grandmother reveals that now she is going to live in the town with Madame Fusil, and the grandmother herself will or- organize all the food for Jose. S- Got to church. Leopold's father visits the church. Henrik Sebastia, did you find any special reason why this scene is in the film?
1: Well, to, to, to me, it, it went to once again, kind of a showcase. These, at, at times, even. To visit kind of a social behavior norms within the martini community because when it comes to because when the Thorai comes to the visitor's church he comes with with gifts and basically he through with the gift he receives admiration and he's he's seen as this he's seen as a giver even even type of a hero at that moment, because he, he has bought this expensive gift to the church.
0: Roger, roger. Uh,
1: but, but at at the same time, the Thorai also is part of of the very force that oppresses the inhabitants of Martinique. In, in the film's case, he is kind of the modern-day slave master. And the, here he comes to the house of God, And he's being praised as this this good guy.
0: Yeah, it makes your stomach kind of turn. Later on in the film, for example, we get to Fort de France, where the white guys are walking with their noses up in the sky. And what they're actually doing, they're just looking for a better quality of life than what they would have in France. Taking advantage of people just for the sake of living a more wealthy life.
1: Yeah, most definitely, because here they have actually working power. They can oppress, so they don't have to actually pay a normal and an adequate wage to their workforce. So, of course, it's easier to kind of get rich on on these kind of circumstances. It also, when you contrast the church in, to the moment later in the film where the Thorai, refuses to acknowledge Leopold on on his deathbed mm. so so th- there is also that and w- once again that scene makes your kind of a stomach uh, stomach turn because and it's
0: completely absurd because the wife of Detharai is black and so is the servant and this master of the house so to speak has already brainwashed these two black guys against their own race
1: yep and and th- then you look at the church scene where he's being praised as a benevolent character. Like, th- thank God we have this guy in our community.
0: Yeah, manipulation.
1: To me, it, w- it was manipulation. But, uh, but but then again, you know, I didn't give Sebastian the time to actually voice his own opinion. So yes. no, I... th- that, that, that was my long rant on the subject. Please go ahead.
2: <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think this scene shows that... The 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 BK where at that time uh, or, or this the Torah considered himself to be above the church was so powerful as to be entering the church in the middle of prayers and stop everybody from from praying just to appear and then control the situation and and show show who is the boss. In the middle
1: of the church. Yeah, by, that was a good call because he most definitely does precisely that. Okay. He, yeah. he he stops them in mid-sermon.
2: Yeah, and 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 then also you can ask yourself why did he do this gift? It must have cost a lot of money. Uh, he got it specially made. Uh, from Rome. It, it's also to ascertain his power over the the population. To almost hmm. makes himself uh, be, be shown as. Uh, a deity at this point yeah and so this is clearly a, a, a very sad image but uh, i think towards the end of, of the movie we, we, we see that uh, he was not uh, so godly after all
0: grandma is unwell at this point and jose promises her a future with farm animals and stuff a future where she would not have to go to the fields There is a scene where in the middle of the night the grandmother wakes up and asks Jose to give her a cigar or cigarette to smoke. And Leopold's father comes to collect his son. When he is outside with Jose, father doesn't want him to spend time with the black people. Which is of course completely logical because his own home is full of black people. Wants Jose to bring the horse from the water but that's not happening so he takes the matter into his own hands. Of course, gets kicked by the horse and gets fatally injured into the spleen. And the black people help him out of the water. Now he's on his deathbed, but regardless, he doesn't want his mulatto son to inherit his name. Everything else is on the table, but not the name with which he would be able to carry on a bright future. Yeah.
1: I read a lot in the act that the was giving his ring to Leopold.
0: Yeah, I don't land. yeah.
1: And and I I took it in the way that he's kind of kind of giving all the material gain yeah to Leopold yeah but not his family name yeah yeah not not his family name right and and that's what the mother
2: was concerned about yeah because she was saying if he loses everything that's material then he won't have anything because without the name and the notoriety of that name. He won't have access to anything that
1: could help him to to maintain this lifestyle. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. To, to me, it was simply the name was more of a symbol, a symbolical thing. Because like pr- pretty much at
2: uh, at that time period, it's it less today, but it still happens actually. Still, is still a thing, but much less. But. Uh, In in general you would have BK tend to help Beke. and if you're not one of them then you won't have as much help from that small community. Leopold not having his name would not make him a BK or having any of that uh, notoriety to then be able to have all the the community's assistance
1: and, and benefits.
0: Yeah, good point. He couldn't be really anything without the one percent name.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, well, well, well any, anything else than a black person. But who, in the same has- time, in the same time, he was
2: already uh, a mixed child. So, so just based on that, Leopold might have from the Beke community at that time um, less regard, or less less respect, because he was not pure Beke. Um, but in the same time, it, it just shows that it's just vanity and pure ego to, to to not give his name to him, even though that would not have made much of a difference. It, it just shows that the name of the family name was so glorified and so important that uh, he would even refuse to give it uh, to his own child. from apparently a loving relationship with his wife.
0: Is there a lot of despise towards Beke people? Like, would they get stabbed in the face if somebody knew somebody is a Beke going to supermarket or something? If somebody would know somebody like that is walking on the streets? Like, I mean,
2: that... they do walk on the streets, not like they're hiding. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, no. Um... Yeah,
0: but there are not so many of those. There,
2: they, are, right? they are not evil people. Uh, they, they, they... <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. in the past, some, some definitely, like everything you see in the movie is very much real and there's been extreme um, uh, inequalities and I- I- extreme, awful things happening that were of the time and that uh, definitely can never be accepted as being okay but today times have changed you still have that community feeling so they do like to marry uh, within each other and to to maintain their family uh, titles and and uh, lands like this but they are very much against slavery, very much against, uh, you know, abusing power or being racist against other people. Hmm. Um, Most of the BKs today uh, are very peaceful and and, and just don't want to have any problem with anyone. Actually, vast majority of the descendants of BK of my generation uh, spend a lot of time in France or in other countries because it's just where you have more opportunities. Farming yeah. is not profitable as it used to be in the past. And so um, you do have a couple, still a couple of families that are very, very rich. But for the, the others, uh, uh, they're more of a upper middle class type of family and uh, and, and the children are, are working uh, normal jobs uh, and and very much integrated into society and so there's no more no, no much more of this racial issue but uh, definitely historically there's, there's still this, this very very sad uh, inequality
0: Okay it's time to open the present of grandmothers for José the new shirt and so José is right on his way to Fort de France to get into the entrance exams and there jose is kind of amazed by everything he sees rich white people so now jose takes the exam and the teacher is with him and now gets the information from the teacher that he has passed the exam alas mr overseer then reveals that only a quarter of a scholarship has been granted to him in reality incredible 87.50 francs should be paid every three months every semester So this forces a change of plans also for grandmother who has to now be the laundry mama for a family to gather some money for the education. It was kind of unclear how long it takes for grandmother to be the laundry lady, but apparently it's a very short time.
2: Well, it's a very short time, thank to José, who did a very beautiful essay and um, and managed to, to get her out of needing to work.
0: Yep. They ask from carmen some help, but he is unable to host Jose at his workplace because the boss wouldn't like it. However, he has a friend in the cinema or wherever they are, and at the lady at the booth, which is the friend, will help him out. Now the grandma is complaining about Fort de France, too many people, too much noise, too many cars. Something is being offered to Jose, but it's a throne. I'm not sure what this was, but it was some kind of food at the school.
2: I'm not very sure. In my mind, that was just a snack. Like they were just having school break and then he wanted to share some of his snack with José, but José refused. That's how I got it. I'm not sure if I'm right or not.
0: Yeah, that actually makes sense. So he will not accept it. So he will not be taken advantage of again.
2: Oh, that is true. Probably goes back with um, Madame Madame Leon. Like he goes back to, to the lesson he learned from.
0: José is now checking Carmen's papers, and they are really good. There are no mistakes. He also wants to be an actor in Hollywood. That's a a big step, but I wish him all the best. (laughs) Teacher then accuses José of plagiarism. José now comes to Carmen and says to Carmen that the homework was not accepted. There's no point in going to the principal because it just would turn against him. Fortunately, the teacher is now looking for José and is about to tell him that uh, he will be accepted after all. Now we're with uh, Carmen and José at the workplace of Carmen, the rich people's place, and Carmen says that the woman is infatuated with him, but Um. (laughs) I don't believe it. He's probably just enjoying the rich people's place and, you know, trying to be the ladies guy, macho macho man, just playing a role for José a little bit, having some fun. But yeah, who knows? How did you take it?
2: So they were living in, in the Routes de Didier, which is a beautiful street up uh, the hills of Fort de France where you had the upper class Fort de France people living. Right. And so they were w- one of those people there.
0: Henrik, do you think that there was something going on between Carmen and the boss's wife?
1: I, I, I don't believe that he did. It, it wouldn't be completely unheard of, basically the upper class using the lower class for their own amusement and in like in this case for sexual favors which i would say if if something would have been going on it would have been like that kind of a situation but i i read it more like that it was simply a fantasy of carmen
0: yeah so wasn't too interested about the show off and he just leaves the scene because he has uh, yeah. some things to deal with on his own.
1: Yeah, there, there is also, also, once again, since we are talking about the, talking about racial elements of, of the society, there is, uh, once again, shows up those elements where where the the social behavior kind of gets turned. Because Carmen here shows fantasies towards, towards the members of the white class and the, the members of a white race and this way shows that he's more interested about the whites of Martinique and not so much basically a female companion of his own race and if, if you take this in the, for example the later scenes where it's being brought up that the a lady at the ticket booth actually hopes that if if she would have a child that child would be a mulatto instead of a black child like i i took it i i read it once again kind of a show, showing the the same argument from from now now from carmen's perspective or by carmen in my mind
2: that totally would have been possible that they did have an affair it's it's actually not that uh intolerable and that has definitely happened that white people at that time would have uh, affairs with their uh, slaves or with their servants that were in the house and um, actually contributed to a lot of mulattoes in the island, uh, believe it or not. And uh, Mm. so that definitely could have happened. I I think that Carmen truly was a charming man and he could have definitely seduced uh, that lady. Uh, Who knows, maybe she really wasn't satisfied with her husband also. And so she maybe she was a, a woman that that just enjoyed every kind of pleasure and was just very interested in in carmen as well um true. the so husband probably would not have uh enjoyed it and so i'm very sure that carmen would have hidden
1: it as much as possible but uh definitely is possibilities i have mm. yeah well in in those kind of um, sexual relationships there is also i i wouldn't say And this is kind of, once again, a layman's interpretation of those sexual encounters. But I would almost say that it's not only about charm and how attractive you are, but there is something that would also tempt persons. And most definitely the the upper class persons in these type of situations would be the power play that would exist in this kind of a relationship.
0: Yeah, so now the Jose conflict is solved and the teacher comes to tell that he's accepted after all. Hands it over to the grandmother who then is able to get out of Fort-de-France. Of course this money won't last forever and uh, probably at some point she has to return to the cane fields once again, but at least she's out of the laundry shop now. Now we're back at the cinema or what looks like a cinema and at the booth the lady is now giving a long speech about her own kind, the black people, that she doesn't like what they're doing. Jose defends the black people, and the situation kind of shows you how deep the manipulation can go.
1: It, it does, and that is—I don't know how you guys felt about the scene, but to me, that was kind of the maybe the hardest scene of the film. Hmm. The, the moment where where the lady who sells the tickets kind of makes it very clear that she despises her own race
0: yeah and it goes to show that apparently people can somehow be completely oblivious or forgot the social situations here of course if you're in the lower class you have to rob and you have to steal and you have to be a little uneducated because well that's what happens when you artificially enforce a black people lower class
1: I would say that that is the most insidious part of the segregation policies at play. Like, and that would be, that would be the the ultimate form of the harm that segregation can cause. That level of brainwashing where you actually start to despise the, the members of the same social class that you are part of. Because when you reach that point, at that point, you actually start to sabotage the attempts of the members of your own class from ever trying to change the class dynamics and it it, it would become it would become this self-harm situation where you, where you are causing harm to yourself because you are preventing others from from changing that class structure and this way changing the how how the things operate and how the society is even when when it when that when the form of society that you are living in actually causes harm to you and limits your possibilities
2: yeah and that's the foundation of what led to the negritude movement that pretty much at this time everything black people heard about black people was that they were bad nobody Mm was ever saying anything positive about black people. So they would just repeat what they were hearing yeah. until you had uh, people like later on, like Aimé Césaire, which is a Martinican uh, figure that uh, brought about Negritude along with Senghor, which was an African Senegal, is that brought together the pride of being black, of actually being proud of of who you are, of, of your color, and not to be ashamed, but on the opposite of really valuing where you come from, take it as a strength rather than a weakness. And in, instead of, well, from Mendoza, we saw, we saw the, the, the pride of coming from Africa, but from that lady, you, you saw the, the shame, where in, in that negative movement, it would bring back that African origin pride And and also bring it to a modern era with with the opportunities that, that were bound with having proper education, with having emancipation. And really now that they were free just by believing in themselves and that they could do things, that they would be able to do it, to break those mental chains that were still present. And so that... Led to 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 that
1: movement and and that true liberation. And, and that trigger word word here is is precisely like you yeah, like you said is shame because shame also shame is a is a strong emotion in the sense that it, it robs you from the energy to actually fight back because it it kind of a it has this meaning that also you yourself. are are at wrong here like there there is something wrong also in you because x because you are part of the social class because because you are part of a certain race so when you start to feel shame about how how for example like here miss flora feels shame how she sees or how she believes black people are and how black people operate that also in, in that moment, Miss Flora also ends up saying that there is something wrong in her because she is also black. And w- when you start to believe that that you are at wrong, that you should feel feel ashamed, at that moment you no longer kind of anymore have the energy and the mental strength to start fight against those those attitudes.
2: Right.
0: You know, I can't even imagine how much of a mental struggle that kind of a situation would entail. Then you are the child of slaves. And then to rise above from that feeling of shame that this might carry, unfortunately.
2: That definitely has not been easy, and it's still ongoing, actually. It's still not over. There's still uh, a lot mm. of hardships that uh, descendants of slaves are still facing today and it's not over there's been good progress but
0: it's not over yeah for sure but
1: if i can ask sebastian and i i yeah. don't mean to be rude here or I- imply anything but mm. if i can ask how do yourself feel was the kind of a social honing so, honing this racial self identity kind of easier back in when martinique actually used when an actual slave power was used when it's historically contra- contrasted in the society that that black shack alley depicts where, where slavery officially has ended and the oppression has simply changed its its outlook and and this is what, what this is once again this is ultimate outsider perspective viewpoint from my end because i i don't have any real ties into those those time periods or or slave structures but with 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 kind of a with slaves you kind of could believe that they're they're the piece people can still actually strongly feel that they have been wronged from the get-go they have been robbed from their birth country forcibly brought into another piece of land and then forced to work on the fields and forced to perform these tasks. When in the social situation that is exists in the black alley, it's it's kind of a, it's masqueraded as a choice. Mm-hmm. So, which one? Like, since from the three of us, you are, you are I would say historically most knowledgeable about the situation in Martinique. How how do you look in historically? The question: How do you feel? Would the situation for the slaves actually be easier in in this way, in, in case of preserving their self identity and in a way self worth? I'm not very sure. I understand your question? Like in in Black Shack Alley, M- M- Miss Flora, uh, the society has driven Miss Flora into into a state where she feels ashamed of being black. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel that this level of shame would have also exi- existed in the original slave community, or is the is the shame aspect of okay. it simply a product of of the time period that where Miss Flora now lives, like like nineteen thirties. Okay, exactly. Is is that where where the shame comes in? Well, so Miss Flora was not the first generation slave. She didn't
2: come from Africa. She was born out of slave parents or maybe grandparents. So she might be a second, third generation Martinican that from her birth has seen that she was inferior to the BK or to uh, the French uh, that, that would come uh, around uh, being white. And through talking down to her or through not being able to do what white people could do in the island just felt that she was less of a human Uh, and by being told you cannot do this you cannot do that uh, by being told you're not as good as them or that definitely has impacted her self-worth and made her to challenge her own understanding of, of who she can be as a person uh, based on z- the current uh, social uh, conditions. But as far as, let's imagine that uh, African slaves being robbed from, uh, let's say, the the, the villages in, in, in Africa, where they were peacefully living, uh, even even though sl- procurement of slaves is a very complicated matter as well. But anyway, let's just imagine that they were taken out, out of a peaceful situation in Africa and brought uh, for forced labor and, and slavery and being sold and chained and suffering. I don't think those would feel ashamed of being black. I think those would really feel taken advantage of and being seriously victimized by injustice. And I think they would really be suffering that point, but still be really proud of being themselves or really not necessarily having much of a shame identity probably would be angry at the situation more than ashamed and um, yeah and and then down the road with let's say things that hope throughout several generations has not really improved their conditions then always hearing negative words about yourself could could bring down some some sentiments of of low self-worth so
1: that's how i see it yeah, because I I was I have been kind of wondering that how how the perception of the situation could have changed between the original African slaves and then their grandchildren and grandchildren's children's children, since the the original slave population still would have had an obvious bad guy like the slave master and the people who originally abducted them. And there there would be this, there would be the obvious and very official evil force against them. And in in the film, that, that is something that is robbed from Miss Flora in Blackjack Alley. Because the society has masqueraded the oppression and given it kind of an official stamp through abolishing official slavery and instead using these other more subtle methods to control the population.
2: Right. Right, so so the, the original African slaves that that came via boats, they had those metal chains, you know, they were forced by weapons and through metal chains. But she had mental chains. It was all in her head where yeah. and and like Jose who who saw all the good uh, from his loving grandmother and from uh, his mentor and father figure So and, and then all his community, his friends uh, in, in, in in the shacks and all the black people who, as you saw uh, when their white master fell off in the river by the horse, the, the black people came and rescued him or when Man was uh lost they all came to to, to search for for him they, they, you know he, he grew up seeing that the that black people were beautiful they were oppressed they were suffering, but they were beautiful and he saw that and he could not agree or accept being ashamed of of being black because he knew that was wrong
1: and I think he felt sorry for that lady to 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 think that way yeah i i do ap- apologize for, for, for coming with the with the question at you sebastian no problem i i do acknowledge, acknowledge that me proposing the question to you may not have been the more most fairest stunt to pull off but you actually coming from martinique and you having read the novel and and having kind of a more more direct ties into, for example, the history of Martinique, you kind of have have been the best possible candidate. I can actually ask this question. Mm-hmm. So that that's why that's why that's why I was tempted to ask this from you. Sure, I'm, I'm
2: racially also being mixed. Uh, I, I don't have it's the, the most authentic experience, you could say, as if I was raised in a purely black family or purely white family. I'm, I'm in the middle. And so, you know, I, 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 the experience that I have is, is the one that I can relate from uh, my ancestors or my friends and their ancestors. And so that, that's how I derived everything. And actually in Martinique, races and racial issues have been... Uh, or are actually uh, very, very strong. Races are very influential in, in a way. A, a lot of the country's history derived pretty much from racial struggles and segregation and, and, and all that. So it's actually a very sensitive topic in Mark. And some people talk about it openly and some others not so much because it can open wounds that some people don't have to to reopen, and then some some others uh, want to actually really go back to who they really are and want to celebrate that. And so you have those two different ways of approaching the uh, the, the racial uh, issues like this on the island. It's it's definitely fundamental, and, and, and you see it through everything. Ra- the, the different races have, have done so much on the island. Like you can see, as we uh, explored earlier, with music. The music is a mix of races from Europe's melodies and, and instruments, with uh, the African drums and rhythms. And the, the, the cuisine in Martinique is actually wonderful. It is, I, I, I read it in some place. And I absolutely love how it was written. And it was pretty much saying that Martinican food is at the crossroad of France elegance, African generosity, and India's spices, all in a tropical setting. And so that's, that's really what encompasses the food. And it reflects the, the, the French influence on the island with the Collins, the slave uh, african influence and later on after the lack of labor force when I started to ask for help from other regions in the world including in india that's where we got a lot of spices from india that, that made that martinican cuisine to be very special and again all because of of the different races and uh, and i think that that's what made us the, the country we, we are today
0: would love to taste some of those Martinican crabs. Yeah. <laughs> they look so delicious.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. Now, after the grandmother has returned to the village and José has gotten the prize, he returns to the village again because he gets the word that grandmother is sick. Leopold, on the other hand, just has stolen a white guy's ledger. José runs to Leopold, sees him for a short moment there. Leopold smiles back with his hands tied. So, this was Leopold's plan to show to the black people that the white guy was cheating on them, stealing all the money for himself. So, the black people mm-hmm. sing in unison about their suffering, and grandmother is dead. Jose sees grandmother for the last time there. The legs are washed with water, and that's the end credits basically. There's the quote Tomorrow I will return to Fort de France and take the Black Shack Alley with me. What this reads to me is that he's taking his spirit, his will to for the France. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I, yeah, I, I took it as a, as him referencing his his personal history and got kind of a, that insight into how unjust and unfair the world is through that personal history.
2: Yeah, and then he, through Carmen, when he visited in the wood de in the ladies' house. You could see that he never had any interest in the opulence and all, all those things that the white people, or even Carmen, were really looking up to. To him, what he loved was his, his little shacks and his friends. And, and that, that's what he loved. And that's what he wants to, to be proud of and, and take. Everywhere with him, he's he's looking for education, but not to have all those materialistic uh, riches that other people are aspiring to.
0: Yeah, I took it that he's going to take everything that he has learned in his home village to Fort-de-France and apply it there as he wishes. But you're probably right as well.
1: It's kind of sad that that is the biggest victory you can actually get in this story. But what they, do you mean? They, well. Because ba- basically what in the end is won here is is personal dedication that you will uphold the that you will uphold your background and and your history and the history of your people and that you will continue to to carry that on. But and and I, I, mm. I, I do realise that this is this is uh, the stories it has been written from personal perspective and because of that it's realistic and 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 social changes doesn't happen that quickly if, if at all but well at, at the end of the story the social structures within Martinique they haven't really been changed and for example the teachings of Medus and and that that silent knowledge that Medusa passed on, it only, at the end of the story, it only exists with uh, so say. Like, he he has that knowledge of Africa and all, all of that cultural background with him. But he's basically, he's, he's the only character in the film that actually we get to see, see that that still carries on, that carries on the Medusa's torch. And it, it, it kind of ends with the notion that there is only one person, Jose, who who can carry this forward. With the notion that Jose declares that he he will also always remember his background. And w- once again, Jose is just one person.
0: Yeah, he is, but it's not only about where he's coming from, your traditions and village and whatnot. Because when the credits roll, Henrik... Zosé has taken one hit against the oppressors. That is one hit, effective one, against the monster that is slavery. One for the team.
1: Okay, because to me it it looks kind of like... I read the situation so that that with Zosé, at the end of the film, with Zosé, there exists a possibility that someday the slavery or the segregation in Martinique may get hit. If if mm-hmm. so, say, for example, starts some kind of a group or manages to reach out for more people. Okay, and but... They're to tell that, you know, you you these situations should change and you should take pride in, in your race and in your history.
0: Yeah, it's like every worker who is not working at the plantation anymore and has kind of risen above it, They are showing that it's possible to rise above slavery one by one, piece by piece.
2: Yeah, I think he's a model for the people at that time to show that through education, through being proud of who you are.
0: Yeah, believing in yourself. You
2: can, yeah, believing in yourself. You can actually become whoever you want to be. And he's an inspiration to others uh, by doing that.
0: Of course, it should be said that uh, José is extremely lucky to be in this position. Uh, one way to show your rebellion.
2: But but to me, this is the kind of luck that goes with doing what he's doing. Yeah. If you study really hard, if you are kind to other people around, if you stay with people who love you and believe in you, and if you don't be taken advantage of by the many people who will try to take advantage of you if if you mm. do all those things you will have luck in your favor to help you do
1: uh, succeed and 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 do everything it takes for you to to follow your dreams my main point is that we the film wraps with only so say showing us that only show say holds these these thoughts
0: All right, here we go, guys. Henrik, favorite performance.
1: It's a tough call between Darling Lekitimius, who plays the Can and Dota Sek, who plays the Meduse. Maybe I turn in favor of Darling here.
0: Hmm. You know, there are factually a lot of great performances here, and I'm actually surprised the performance of Jose, because... Uh, this is the actor uh, Gary Cardano's only acting work, apart from some TV series work many, many years later. So he pulls on an incredible performance, but I'm still going to go with Medus here. Just because of the amazing speech at the fireside. Do the sec.
1: Yeah, it, it is one of the. I, I guess, acting wise, it, it's one of the strongest scenes of the film. Sebastian? Yeah. Um, I'm always.
2: Very impressed by how children can do a fantastic way of acting in in many movies. When I see children like oh, the, the actor of Jose did, I, I'm always very impressed. And to me, I, I, I give them more credit than an adult that has maybe a lot more to to practice and to to to, to really think through about acting. And so I, I, I'd go with him. Yeah. Although I I, I do I, for for the the medu's scene like you said was absolutely spectacular and then a a little bonus to me it's uh i don't remember her girl but the little girl that goes to the little store and gets uh (laughs) run for her father with the matches Uh, i I think she was so was, so adorable i really like her acting
0: absolutely natural talent Henrik, favorite scene. On,
1: on my end, it, it's it's from the later half of the movie, from those of gar- 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 end minutes. The moment when Miss Flora stage her shame towards the black population of Martinique was it, yeah. it, it 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 was very very hard and uncomfortable scene to watch, and I I think that when it comes to the points of the film, and when it comes to argue how inhumane the segregation policies are, that is kind of the moment where, where that message is the strongest.
0: Yeah, I will once again go to the Black Party and the story by the fireside. Sebastian?
1: I was thinking me,
2: it's when uh, Mantine is with José in front of the, the teacher when they learn about him being accepted to go to Fort-de-France for the exam <laughs> and seeing how Martine just gives her wholehearted and full support uh, for uh, José to go. Um, it, it really shows how dedicated she is to José's success and I, I find that so beautiful.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Henrik, favorite quote.
1: For me, it's learning is the key that opens the second door to our freedom, which is an universal truth. No matter what is your situation, if you are poor, if you are part of a social class, racial class, whatever the case, in today's world, I would say that that really holds true and... That, that is the best way to escape your situation in, in a day and age of, like Sebastian said it, mental chains.
0: Very good. I have to go back to the fireside once again. There's the quotes from Meduse. And the old black man said, I ran so much, I think I ran around Martinique. When my feet refused to go on, I looked ahead and behind. So I was back in Black Shakali again. Mm. Yeah, that raised some back hair up.
2: Yeah, that's a beautiful.
0: Okay, Sebastian, do you have any quotes in your mind?
2: But you know, I, I, I give you a quote that goes from M. Césaire, which to me could very well be who José becomes after the movie ends. It is a man that was extremely well-educated and a poet, extremely brilliant and smart Man and that, like I said earlier, uh, brought about the concept of the negritude and, and wrote very well about that. And uh, he wrote a quote. And then later on, he, he came back to Martinique to become a teacher. And then he was mayor of Fort de France for, I think, 56 years, something like that. And so, very influential man in Martinique. He recently passed away. They, they named the airport in Martinique, under his name. But there was one quote that he had written that I always really liked and says, If you don't know where to go, remember where you're coming from.
0: Could you say the name again?
2: Oh, Aimé Césaire. So, it's spelled A-I-M-E yeah. with an accent. And Césaire is C. E with an accent, S-A-I-R-E.
0: Yeah, died in 2004. Henrik, it's our favorite, favorite category.
1: (laughs) Which never actually sounds right when we are tackling drama films or or any kind of film that has a heavy message.
0: Most definitely not. But this is something that we have carried since our roots and beginnings and genesis we were talking about horror films where this was slightly more fitting category in a way but we're trying to keep it going anyway for humorous purposes
1: yeah we are pathetic like that
0: yeah really stupid but henrik what's your favorite kill
1: and there is only one one death that technically is is kill wrong and that is the thoreal being killed by his own goddamn horse (laughs) good riddance
0: (laughs) Well, that, well, that's actually a good one. I don't know. How did I miss that? What the hell is going on here? Well,
1: Yeah, ho- how did you miss that one? Because now you're going to pick a natural <laughs> death.
0: <laughs> no, I'm going to choose a modicum of the enslavement scheme. The, the, modicum being a small amount of something, in this case kill.
1: Using once again, th- again those big words.
0: Yeah, well, is it a big word?
1: Uh, well, It's a modicum word.
0: Sebastian, favorite kill?
1: Ah, Well,
2: uh, that would be a just natural death, I guess. It's the one of Martine, which I think is the end of an achievement where she gave her full support to José and was here for him at every point. And when she died was when she, in her heart, knew she, she could go that it was okay for her to go, that José will be fine. And yeah. and also, I think it was very beautiful to see. It was actually a very long scene. The cinematographer took a very long time filming José cleaning Martine's feet. I think uh, that showed how much he cared for her and how, how much she meant to him and how respectful he was of of her and how beautiful character she was. And so, yeah.
0: Henrik, I guess you're already aware of what I'm going to do here, so despite all the pickering and the stone-throwing that we do in this podcast, would you go with me to Martinique? Uh Uh,
1: After this episode, I'm not sure if we can ever actually go to Martinique. (laughs) (laughs) Like.
0: (laughs) Like, we haven't been that bad. I think we have behaved.
1: Ever since the term Serbia episode, I've actually learned to be extremely careful.
0: <laughs> nice to have enemies all around the world. <laughs> no. But yeah, it would be a great pleasure to visit.
2: Oh yeah, and you're very much welcome.
0: Yeah, it would be actually very easy for me to come there due to it being part of the European Union. So I can just go and actually I've been entertaining the thought of actually finding some could, <laughs> work <yeah>. there. <laughs> like yeah i've been already furiously trying to look in linkedin for some work for me (laughs) you won't find too much
2: (laughs) actually a (laughs) lot of the young people of my generation just go out of that which is sad yeah but um actually a lot of people are trying to bring back some some of the young people to, to come back and do new projects and things
0: yeah, definitely. If I would find something, it would be something IT-related because that can be done anywhere. So
2: There are tons of opportunities. Yeah? And yeah, with the internet too, you can actually have uh, <laughs> some work that goes Ooh. all around the world where you just sit by the beach. Right. You know, sit on so- the best rum in the world, which is actually from Martinique. It, it is a fact. We, we just have the best rum ever.
0: And... <laughs>
2: uh, Dance, really nice uh, music.
0: I love rum. And I'm already seeing awesome. myself sitting on the beach, <sighs> drinking rum, talking to my road and team Mike and speaking to Henrik every week under the palm. There pump.
1: you go. <laughs> like, like the o- o- only thing I <laughs> heard, heard from you was I'm excited in, in drinking rum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> First image that comes to mind, Henrik, from this film.
1: It would be... The moment when they are looking for Medusa, mm-hmm. the, during the night time, just before Sose finds him dead, there is that bird's eye point of view shot of of the searchers with the torches walking, mm-hmm. walking in the field, and that's my first image.
0: My first image is from the, I think, the first half of the film where Sebastián uh, uh, José is crossing the river with a bunch of friends and the road continues on the other side.
2: That's interesting you say that. My, my farm has... Uh, actually, that might have been filmed by my farm. It has it has the exact same river crossing.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think there's two river crossings in the film. Yep.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and... My scene would be that time when the teacher goes to Martine and tell him that he's sorry. And José becomes so happy. And then he makes a really cute little jump in the air of happiness. And then uh, that, that, that moment right there. You can really feel how happy he was.
0: Yeah, that's a very happy moment. What image best exemplifies this film? What would you put in the poster or something like that?
1: Mm, I I wouldn't put it in the poster, but I, I think what best exemplifies the film is the shot of Leopold being tracked by the police. Mm. Mm, that's a powerful image. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm th- kind of thinking back at the scene where uh, José is holding the horse yeah. and the father of Leopold is watching in the distance. Sébastien?
2: Maybe José talking with Mandus.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What took you out of Sugarcane Alley? Henrik.
1: For me, kind of nothing, actually.
0: Yeah, same here. The film completely hooked me. Nothing bad to know, actually. Sebastian, was there anything that took you out of the film's world for you?
2: No, actually. Yeah, it was not a very short movie, but I felt like it went by really fast. I, I liked every moment. Of it. it was really well time.
0: Yeah, and the film has uh, very good cinematography. This uh, director Palsy was in a Kind of a prestigious film school. Perhaps it shows here. She grew up watching Alfred Hitchcock and the like. And yeah. we didn't really talk about the director, but I think it should be said that the director Usain Palsy was actually the first in many categories of black in film. She is the first black director to direct a big Hollywood film. Also, the first black director to win the Cesar Award in France. the... Oscar type of prize in France and many others
2: nice uh,
1: and sadly kind of overlooked and often forgotten director which is kind of a, kind of a hard to believe when you, when you think about exactly how influential she has been
0: absolutely and i still feel that in the cinema in hollywood you don't have you know enough films with black leads for example in such major roles as something aching to the Likes of James Bond or Indiana Jones. I mean, we don't have a, like a black equivalent of Indiana Jones.
1: Well, it, it's it's kind of a telling that that the film that got most praise and has been brought up to the pedestal as as this groundbreaking piece that will change the film genre and be instrumental in creating black movie in quotation marks, is is the Black Panther from Marvel Studios.
0: Yeah. Henrik, what pulled you in?
1: What pulled me in were all the discussions about social inequality that this film had.
0: What pulled me in was, of course, all the kind of racial aspects, the lady at the booth, the discussions between Medusa and Jose, uh, Z- And, of course, this uh, whole Martin Egan perspective for race issues. Making films about race issues is of course nothing new, but here we have a Martinican perspective, which is quite highly unique still. And it's a story that should be told and it was really standing on its own legs.
1: Yeah, and, and even though discussions about race and discussions about slavery are not that uncommon in film these days, but still discussions... About segregation, they are not that common even today. It's kind of a topic that it's one of those more lesser touch upon topics of movies. Like when when we talk about these subject matters, we usually more more often the films go right into the full on slavery end of the pool with twelve years a slave, jungle Unchained. And all these films, and and the the more nuanced the segregation aspect, I feel is often overlooked and not touched upon, which is kind of a sad, seeing how the segregation mentality and and even some of those co- segregational constructions still play part in today's societies. Like for example, in in
0: U.S. What pulled you in Sebastian?
1: Well, first of all it was definitely
2: a movie about Martinique because there are a few of them but not so many and being able to also go back into that period in time in the 1930s and seeing how they used to live at the time and the music of the time the the clothing at the time all of this made for a very interesting watch on top of you know, beautiful cinematography, dialogues, casting. Really, I don't have anything negative to say about this movie. I yeah, absolutely.
0: We're kind of in the same same standing in that this is a great film. But Henrik, Scissors of Sacrilege, what would you change in the film to make it better?
1: I, I, I don't know about making it better. Maybe still add some of those discussions about, about the social situation. And the race relations. Because I, I, I feel that you can never have too many of those. Yeah, you were not too happy with the ending, right? Would you have changed it? Um, I, I, I I don't know if, if I would change it. Me, me not being happy with the ending kind of stemmed from the fact that it, it didn't give you that ultimate happy ending. Where, for example, you you get the reassurance that, that some kind of a social change will happen. Or a black rights group will be formed in, in Martinique or that there is no that, that cut into the future for the last ten seconds where Jose is for example leading a black rights movement in Martinique but I don't know if adding that kind of an ending into the film would actually make it better because it it would once again it would, it would make it more typical film and it might drop something out of the more realistic touch that the film has. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of hesitant to actually name that I would bring the scissors into the game here.
0: Mm-hmm. I would probably try to cut something out, but of course it's really hard to figure out what to cut out just like that right now at the moment because usually there is always a reason why a director has all the scenes in the film so first I would have to kind of decipher why all the scenes are in the film and then on that basis I guess dissect it and uh, cut it into pieces and destroy the whole great work but yeah I don't know I, I wouldn't touch it at the moment. You know I could always try to make it so shorter like one hour one hour 30 minutes if I wanted to if I could if I knew what to cut There is of course is back and forth walking to school coming back from school Maybe there's something you could do, but I'm not so sure at this moment
2: mm. Me that would that would be the scene where they get drunk and then they burn down that poor guy's house <laughs> Yeah, that's actually something that, <laughs> I'm, I'm not that sure I that it's necessary scene. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting It was well done, but uh, yeah, I don't think that really brings much to the plot.
0: Mm, Maybe so, but then again, maybe it's important to show that the kids are kind of mischievous and do not care about or do not give kind of apparently value to what their Mm. parents are doing or they don't understand what they are doing. Henrik, you really know you're watching Blackjack Alley when?
1: And this is going to be Pelepean as hell from me. And apologies pre uh, beforehand, but you really know you're watching Black Jack early when you next time start playing Mafia Three, which doesn't <laughs> have direct connection to the film and it is a goddamn video game. But it uh, when it comes to that was something that I kind of kept thinking about when I watched the film because Mafia Three is actually one of the few video games that really try to touch upon racial inequalities and uh, uh, also deal with these segregation attitudes. This time on American soil, but with the Blacksack Alley, I would say the game also has the chance to show you how universal these attitudes are.
0: Well, you really know you're watching... You really know you're watching Blackjack Alley when Leopold kind of puts the whole enslavement scheme into full-on shame and completes smithereens with a huge smile on his face. And Sebastian, do you have something? When you hear
2: the begin music and you see the sugarcane alley with children running down the paved Street.
0: Yeah, that's great. Henrik, three adjectives to describe Blackjack Alley.
1: For my end, slow, hold back, and deadpan.
0: Oh, wow. fancy! He did not like the movies,
1: and huh? No, I, 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 I'm not saying I, I didn't like the film. I simply felt that when it came to the pace of the film, it it, it is kind of a slow-moving film. It, 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 is it really takes its time, <laughs> and kind of a, when it comes to the way how it's shot and. How, in many cases, the actors express themselves and how they perform. I, I in the cinematography, way I, I felt that it it kind of was holding itself back, and the the actor work was kind of a deadpan when it came to expressing emotions. I'm I'm not saying that these are faults, or that these, these are something that the film does wrong, or that this would lead into me not liking the movie. Mm. That's simply kind of the feeling I got when watching this one. Got it.
0: Hmm. Racial, robust in the way that it's telling its story. Maybe contrary to what to Henrik is trying to say there, and magnificent in many ways, which I will get to.
2: Martinican, historical and cultural. Yeah, a very authentic Martinican movie.
0: Is there some new Martinican movies that we should know about? Actually.
2: Yes, actually, there is a movie, a recent movie, uh, called Begin, Mm. that goes around this this time period. It's a very, very beautiful movie. If you like this one, you definitely would enjoy Begin.
0: Watch test. Did anyone look at their watches, their Rolexes, when they were watching the film? No, I didn't. Neither
1: did I. Going on a record here. I don't have a Rolex.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Henrik, would you recommend Black Shack Alley?
1: I I I would. I would. Of course, this may may now be uh, after Sebastian's comment when he questioned did I actually like the film, this may come out as such that I'm trying to save face here. But I, I did really like the film. I, I I think it's a good film. And it's a well-made movie. And I, I do believe that. It is an important film in in the sense of what it actually says about the different ways how racism can happen in society.
0: I would most definitely recommend this one. I feel that this is, uh, in many ways, one of the better movies that we have had in the International Cinema Challenge. And in many ways, it's a very interesting topic, of course. But I would say that the fact that they didn't go deeper into the... Uh, uh, racial uh, aspects was kind of a minutiae for me or just simply that I didn't really think about when watching this film I feel that the film has a proper beginning, middle and an end and I have described uh, the end and how I feel that this film ends so I'm just going to end my review here
1: Yeah. All, all that being said of of course something that you may have to take note if you are new to the discussion that the film is, is having is that This is not a film that necessarily comes and hits you in the head, head with its talking points and points them out to you clearly. Like this is, this is a movie where you kind of have to understand what you are seeing and what you are happening as you are watching the film to understand exactly the points the film is making. So yeah, yeah. So when you come into this film, kind of come in prepared because that was. That was the mistake I, I did on the first viewing, when I didn't know actually what the film was going to be about. And to really start to understand the discussion that the film was having, I that, that kind of happened to me on the second watching.
0: Yeah, I spent basically the entire yesterday researching Martinique because I didn't have any prior context to Martinique in any way. And I would recommend you to do, dear listener, some uh, research as well if you're going to watch this film or just simply listen to our podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that, that, that is the easier one.
0: Yeah. Sebastian, would you recommend Sugar Cane Alley?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yes. Would this be a film that you would recommend as the first thing to watch regarding Martinique? Yeah,
2: This one is definitely iconic. It's yeah. one, if not the most famous uh, Martinican movie uh, or book um, that really reflects very true to the story of, of the past. It's filmed very well, really brings you into, in, in, into the, that time period. Times have changed of course, but it is still fundamental as to how Martinique became, that it has gone through that uh, phase that is reflected in the movie. So, yeah, it, it's definitely an important uh, movie in, in the story of the island. Every Martinican knows about it, too, so that's something that if you go to Martinique or if you meet Martinicans, you can talk about. It, it would have in common.
0: Definitely. So that's pretty much everything for today, unless I missed something, Henrik.
1: Maybe about 20 social talking points.
0: Yeah, we could spend like two years here, but uh, I think we have spent a hell of a lot of time talking. Thanks so much, Sebastian. Thank you so much for joining.
2: Oh, no, thank you, guys. It was fun uh, talking with, with both of you. Thanks for reaching out. Appreciate it. And then, that would be a lot of fun. If one day you guys think about coming to Martinique to welcome you guys,
0: I would, would love sincerely to love to meet
2: you guys and, and show you around. Actually, several parts of where the movie was filmed, uh, you can definitely go and watch it today still. And so it could be a really fun tour to go and explore around the islands, some of where the the movie, some of the places where the movie was filmed, and I also have some good rum. <laughs> so You guys are very well.
0: I'm sold. Let's go, Henrik.
1: Now, right after I get some money to actually pay for the trip,
0: oh, you know, you just need to break into our Patreon account and take all this <laughs> money. Oh, wait, we don't have any.
1: Yeah, yeah, the ba- ba- famous bait. You
2: guys get the you guys get the flight ticket and uh, take care of the rest once you arrive.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome! Okay, thank thank you, you very much. Thank you very much.
2: Pleasure. That was fun.
1: Thanks for reaching out again.
0: You have spent three hours with us. Yeah, sometimes it goes crazy like <laughs> yeah, this, so thank you, you.
1: you were a huge help in, in getting this episode done.
0: Can't imagine what it would have been without you, really. No, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Like you. <laughs>
1: well, well, seeing how hard, hard and heavy the discussion has been, I I, I do take, take some form of comfort in you saying that. <laughs> it gives me confidence that we didn't completely drop the ball here.
0: Henrik, my dear co-host, what would be the next week's film? Would it be something that can't be quite explained? You have to see it for yourself or listen to yourself in this podcast.
1: Uh, I ho- hope that not. Jesus Christ. Yep. I mean, I, mean, I mean, the Matrix discussion could go really long and really wrong extremely fast.
0: And I'm sure that it will. Yeah, Matrix is a listener recommendation from Temu, one of our listeners. When we were going through the feedback in the 50th episode, so that's what's coming.
1: Yeah, because we are not rambling and confusing enough without dealing with a film that has like a ton of philosophical talking points.
0: Yeah, no, no. Nah. Yeah, I. I,
1: I, I w- with all up to Timu, man, I, I do get the feeling that you are some sort of a masochist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so let's see how much of a train wreck it will be without having any people who would actually be able to really tackle these philosophical talking points, so enjoy that next week.
1: Yeah, until next week. Bye-bye.